Hey everybody, this is Richard Conwisher, and it's my honor to serve as the senior pastor of Peachtree Presbyterian Church in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm so glad that you've decided to join us for what we are calling Quest. It's a biblical journey where we are reading the Bible together. The ultimate search where we find out that God is actually searching for us. Many people have attempted to read the Bible from cover to cover, and what we find is that many people start out with great hope and don't make it to the end of the quest. We hope that this year will be different for you. Instead of trying to read the entire Bible in terms of every word and every page, we've highlighted the key chapters, and with only about 30 minutes or so per week worth of reading, we know that you will get the whole arc of the story, and that everything you read after that will have more meaning and depth and significance and beauty and wonder. And so we're glad that you're joining us on this quest. What we will do is we will read each week's portion of it because we know that so many of you are busy and might not have time to sit down and to read it with your own eyes. And what's interesting about this as you potentially listen to this in your car or while you're washing the dishes in the kitchen or while you're on a morning walk or exercise routine is that the Bible was intentionally and originally meant to be heard. For most of human history, the Bible was spoken aloud and repeated and repeated. And so we hope that with this podcast, you will get to hear each week's worth of reading and that you ask questions and you explore and you go back and you look deeper. I know that my Bible quest has been a lifelong journey and that my hunger for God only continues to grow throughout the years. And so we're grateful that you're with us. And if you want to find out more information or get more resources on the reading, go to peachtreechurch.com slash quest. And now for today's reading, listen to the word of the Lord. First Kings chapter 17. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. And then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide in Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook that I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. And so he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Kareth Ravine, east of Jordan and stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. And so he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar? so that I may have a drink. As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little of olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and to make a meal for myself and my son so that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home, do as you have said. But first make a small loaf of bread for me, from what you have, bring it to me. Then make something for yourself and your son. 
For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, The jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. And so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Sometime later, the son of the woman who had owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. And he took him from her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on the bed. And then he cried out to the Lord, Lord God, you have brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die. And then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. And the Lord heard Elijah's cry. And the boy returned to life. And he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room to the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is true. Chapter 18. After a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went and presented himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria and Ahab had summoned Obadiah, his palace administrator. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them into two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them with food and water. Ahab had said to Obadiah, Go through the land to all the springs and the valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and the mules alive so that we will not have to kill any of our animals. And so they divided the land and were to cover Ahab going in one direction and Obadiah in the other. As Obadiah was walking along, Elijah met him. Obadiah recognized him, bowed down to the ground and said, Is it really you, my lord Elijah? Yes, he replied. Go tell your master Elijah is here. What have I done wrong, said Obadiah, that you are handing your servant over to Ahab to be to death? As surely as the Lord your God lives, there is not a nation or kingdom where my master has not sent someone to look for you. And whenever a nation or kingdom claimed you were not there, he made them swear that they could not find you. But now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. I don't know where the spirit of the Lord may carry you or when I leave you. If I go and tell Ahab that, and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. And yet I, your servant, have worshipped the Lord since my youth. Haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets into caves, fifty in each, and supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah's here, and he will kill me. Elijah said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. 
So Abediah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to them, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. But you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. And so Ahab sent word throughout all of Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Then Elijah said to him, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Get two bulls for us. Let Baal's prophets choose one for themselves. Let them cut it into pieces and put wood, but do not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call on the name of your God. I will call on the name of our Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, what you say is good. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. And so they took the bull given them and prepared it. And then they called on the name of Baal from morning until noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. At noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder, he said. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. And so they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom until their blood flowed. Midday passed and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. And Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. They came to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took twelve stones, one for each of the twelve tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. And with these stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seahs of seed. And he arranged the wood and cut the bowl into pieces and laid it on the wood. And then he said to them, Fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again, he said. And they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered. And they did it a third time. And the water ran down the altar and even filled the trench. And at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known today that you are God in Israel, that I am your servant, and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. 
And the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. And they seized them, and Elijah had them brought down into the Kishon Valley and slaughtered them there. And Elijah said to Ahab, go eat, drink, for there is a sound of heavy rain. And so Ahab went off to eat and drink, and Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel and bent down to the ground and put his face between his knees. Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and looked. There's nothing there, he said. Seven times, Elijah said, go back. And the seventh time, the servant reported a cloud as small as A man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose, heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rose off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah, and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Chapter 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed the prophets with the sword. And so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Elijah was afraid, and he ran for his life. When he came back to Beersheba in Judah, he left the servant there, and while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom brush and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate, and he drank, and he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. And so he got up and ate and drank, and strengthened by that food, he traveled forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And then he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, He pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out, and he stood at the mouth of the cave, and then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? 
He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus, and when you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. Anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Maloah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. And yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. And so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people. And they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Second Kings chapter 2. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets of Bethel came out to Elijah and asked, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, said Elijah, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha, the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, so be quiet. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. And so the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water with it. And the water divided to the right and to the left. And the two of them crossed over on a dry ground. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. 
And as Elisha saw this, cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the banks of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. The company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching said, The spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed down to the ground before him. Look, they said, we, your servants, have 50 able men. Let them go and look for your master. Perhaps the spirit of the Lord has picked him up and sent him down some mountain and some valley. No, Elisha replied, do not send them. But they persisted until he was too embarrassed to refuse. So he said, send them. And they sent 50 men who searched for three days but did not find him. And when they returned to Elisha, who was staying in Jericho, he said to them, didn't I tell you not to go? The people of the city said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see, but the water is bad and the land is unproductive. Bring me a new bowl, he said. Put salt in it. And so they brought it to him, and then he went out from the spring and threw the salt into it, saying, This is what the Lord says, I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land unproductive. And the water has remained pure to this day, according to the word that Elisha had spoken. From there, Elisha went up to Bethel, and as he was walking along a road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, Baldy, they said. Get out of here, Baldy. And when they turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord, then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. And he went on Mount Carmel and there returned to Samaria. Chapter 4. The wife of a man from the company of the prophet cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, as you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing here at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. And they go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. As each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her with her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Now one day, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. And so whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room for him on the roof and put it in a bed and a table and a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. One day when Elisha came, 
he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant, Gehazi, call the Shumanite. And so he called her, and she stood before him, and Elisha said to her, Tell her you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. What can be done for her? Elisha asked. Gehazi said, She has no son, and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, Call her. So he called her, and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, You will hold the son in your arms. No, my lord, she objected. Please, man of God, don't mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. And the child grew, and one day he went out to his father, who was with the reapers. He said to his father, My head, my head. And his father told the servant, Carry him to his mother. And after the servant had lifted him up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and then shut the door and went out. She called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and a donkey so that I can go to the man of God and quickly return. Why go to him today, he asked. Is not the new moon or the Sabbath? That's all right, she said. She saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Lead on, don't slow down for me unless I tell you. And so she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And when he saw her in the distance, the man of God said to his servant Gehazi, Look, there's the Shunammite. Run to meet her. Ask her, are you all right? Is your husband all right? Is your child all right? Is everything all right? She asked. When she reached the man of God at the mountain, she took hold of his feet. Gehazi came over to push her away, but the man of God said, leave her alone. She is in bitter distress, but the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me why. Did I ask you for a son, my Lord? Didn't I tell you, don't raise my hopes? Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt, take my staff in your hand, and run. Don't greet anyone you meet. If anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives, as you live, I will not leave you. And so he got up and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened. When Elijah reached the house, there was the boy lying dead on the couch. He went in, shut the door. The two of them prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. And as he stretched himself out to him, the body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out on him more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. And he did. When she came, he said, take your son. She came in, fell at his feet, bowed to the ground. She took her son and went out. 
Elisha returned to Gilgal, and there was a famine in that region. And while the company of the prophets was meeting with them, he said to his servant, put on the large pot and cook some stew for these prophets. One of them went out into the fields to gather herbs while found a wild vine and picked as many of the gourds and his garments could hold. And when he returned, he cut them into potted stew, and though no one knew what they were, the stew was poured out for the men. But as they began to eat it, they cried out, Man of God, there is death in the pot. And they could not eat it. And Elisha said, Get some flour. And he put into the pot and said, Serve it to the people to eat. And there was nothing harmful in the pot. A man came from Baal Shalishah, bringing a man of God 20 loaves of barley bread baked from the first ripe grain, along with some of the heads of new grain. Give it to the people to eat, Elisha said. How can I set this before a hundred men, his servant said. But Elisha answered, give it to the people to eat, for this is what the Lord says. They will eat and have some left over. And then he set it before them, and they ate and had some left over according to the word of the Lord. Chapter 5. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master, highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given him victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served as Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. And so Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending you my servant Naaman, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I a god? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to pick a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me. He will know that there is a prophet in Israel. And so Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away very angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? And so he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went with him. My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you have not done it? How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? And so he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. And Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. Please accept a gift from your servant. 
The prophet answers, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much as earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. But may the Lord forgive your servant for this one thing. When my master enters the temple of Rimon to bow down, he is leaning on my arm, and I have to bow there also. When I bow down to the temple of Rimon, May the Lord forgive your servant for this. Go in peace, Elisha said. After Naaman had traveled some distance, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God said to himself, my master was too easy on Naaman, this Aramean, by not accepting from him what he brought. As surely as the Lord lives, I will run to him after him and get something from him. So Gehazi hurried after Naaman, and when Naaman saw him running Toward him, he got down from the chariot to meet him. Is everything all right? He asked. Everything's all right, Gehazi answered. My master sent me to say, two young men from the company of the prophets have just come for me from the hill of the comfrey of Ephraim. Please give them a talent of silver and two sets of clothing. By all means, take two talents, said Naaman. He urged Gehazi to accept them and then tied up the two talents of silver into two bags and two sets of clothing, and he gave them to two of his servants, and they carried them ahead of Gehazi. When Gehazi came to the hill, he took the things from the servants and put them away in his house. And then he sent the men away, and they left. When he went in and stood before his master, Elijah asked him, Where have you been, Gehazi? Uh, your servant didn't go anywhere, Gehazi answered. But Elisha said to him, Was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money or accept clothes or olive groves or vineyards or flocks or herds or male or female slaves? Naaman's leprosy will cling to you and your descendants forever. And then Gehazi went from Elijah's presence and his skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Chapter 6. The company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet you is too small for us. Let us go down to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he said, go. And then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied, and he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? And when he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel, and after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camps in such and such a place. A man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place, because the Arameans are going down there. And so the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God, and time and again Elijah warned the king that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded them, Tell me, which one of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words that you speak in your bedroom. 
Go and find where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. Then report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there, and they went by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and he saw hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, Strike this army with blindness. And so he struck them with blindness, as Elisha had asked. Elisha told him, This is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you were looking for. And he led them to Samaria. And after they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of the men so they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they looked. And there they were inside Samaria. And when the king of Israel saw them, he asked Elisha, Shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill those you had captured of your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and go back to their master. And so he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away, and they returned to their master. And so the bands from Iran stopped raiding Israel's territory. Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop so that I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God, my Savior my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, do not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. 
then bulls will be offered on your altar. Thank you so much for joining us today on our quest. And we hope that week in and week out, you're getting to experience and explore and discover God's incredible desire and search for you. If you have any further questions or want more information, go to peachtreechurch.com quest. And we would love to hear from you and hope that you are experiencing the wonder and the majesty of God as you listen to his word. And if you stay with us on the whole journey, I know you'll have this bigger perspective of life, of reality, and of your role in it. We're so glad that you're joining us, and we wish you God's very best.